Welcome to Backlabel Branding with Sydney Muntianu. On this podcast, I'm interviewing some of the leading women in the food and beverage space, talking to them about how they got started, what they did to build their brands initially, how they are pivoting now in our time of a COVID pandemic, and what they're paying attention to in terms of marketing strategy, tools and tricks they use, and who they're looking to for inspiration. Hello, everybody. Today's episode is going to be one that you can relate to because I'm guessing you have this product in your kitchen, probably on your kitchen counter right now. It's olive oil. And I'm talking to Katerina Montano. She's the founder of Costarina, which is olive oil company that she founded really out of necessity. And the really cool thing about this brand is it's just as much about the product and being a quality food product as it is about promoting overall wellness. Because you see, Katerina is Greek-American. She grew up spending her summers, her vacations, anytime she could growing up visiting her family in Greece and her parents would take her back there to visit their family and understand the heritage. She grew up eating the food and what's essential to Mediterranean cuisine is a good quality olive oil product. So one day she's home in the States. They're out of olive oil. She runs to the grocery store. What she finds on the shelves is nothing like what she's used to and digs in a little further and comes to find out that Truly, most of the olive oil on supermarket shelves, especially at this time, is really mislabeled as extra virgin. It doesn't have that potent quality of antioxidants and isn't that fresh stuff that she grew so accustomed to. So she started making her own and growing the brand really organically, diving in more into the studies around the antioxidants and health benefits of olive oil and became discovered by Whole Foods through, lo and behold, of course, it was Instagram and has since launched the brand nationally with them and has been growing over the past year since They are now in um, those supermarkets as well as she's growing her DTC channel. So the other cool thing about Katerina is she comes from a really deep background within the consumer product space and corporate America. She worked for Walmart, L'Oreal, Elizabeth Arden, Red Door, and a whole host of others in New York and London and really has a lot of expertise that she certainly leveraged as she was growing this brand, but also shares in this episode. So it was really fun. And I learned a lot about olive oil and I hope you enjoy getting a little bit more insights into it too. While I was reading your bio, I'm like, man, what a woman. <laughs> I, I'm guessing a big part of your upbringing has to do with Costarina and, and how it developed, but I'd like to get a little bit more backstory just because there's quite some names and brands and nuggets in here. You started working as an investment banker at Citigroup, then you moved into like this beauty and retail and marketing world, working for some big names, L'Oreal, Beauty Bar, you're a CEO of a, at a venture capitalist firm. Um, you ended up 
at you know sort of working at Walmart on a on a very innovative um, space in the branding. But how, like, tell me a little bit more about that arc, and then of course we can go into. And I want to talk a lot about you starting your own company, but transitioning from that space to something that's more focused in wellness and bringing health to people through your own food product. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much to share in there. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be on the podcast and I so admire everything that you're doing with the conversations that you've been having. So I am honored. Um, yeah, to give you the quick backstory. So I'm Greek American. I uh, grew up in a Greek family in Long Island. My parents were born in Greece, so I'm first generation. And I think what was special about my childhood is that my mom actually worked for a large European airline. Um, throughout my entire um, youth. And what that meant was that we could fly for free. And so we actually went to Greece quite a lot, um, like three times a year. And when we went for the summer, we uh, stayed for like two or three months. So literally any week that we were not in school, we were in Southern Greece in my dad's hometown. Um, it's a town called Koroni, and that's very much um, linked to what I'm working on now with the Costa Rica brand. So I'll tell you all about that. But maybe first I'll answer your question sort of around my career history. Um, I'll give you the, the quick life story there. But um, as you mentioned, I started my career in investment banking. Um, I worked in New York and then in London for Citigroup. And I covered the shipping industry, um, which again comes back to being Greek. I remember I went into um, my placement and they said, what group do you want to be in? And I said, consumer and retail. And they were like, okay, what's your second choice? And I said, I think shipping might be my second choice. And they were like, you're Greek, of course, shipping. So I was working in, in shipping in investment banking before sort of leaving that career. I went back to business school and then transferred to, um, you know, a career that was much more consumer focused. So um, I took a role at L'Oreal. I was doing new brand development in their hair care group for the L'Oreal Paris brand, um, which is their mass market brand that sells in drugstores and targets and walmarts i did a stint actually at walmart during that time um, which is funny because then of course my career sort of put me back there later on many years later um, after l'oreal i um i had my first experience at a startup uh, i went to a startup called quidzy which ran diapers.com soap.com and um, that's where i became the gm of their prestige beauty site called beautybar.com. Um, and that's really where I fell in love with startup life. I, it was my first taste at an early stage company. We were later acquired by Amazon. And it was just an incredible experience. Um, was an early employee there, worked for an, an, two incredible founders, one of whom went on to found Jet.com. Um, so in between the Amazon and Jet.com Walmart experience, I, uh, I did start my own company and happy to share experience in starting Manicube, which was a beauty services company that was very tech enabled. And yeah, and then went to Jet.com. Jet.com was acquired by Walmart. I had a pretty entrepreneurial role within Walmart there, but of course, tons of learnings in across all those experiences going from startup to Amazon, my own startup to, um, we were acquired by Elizabeth Art and Red Door Spas, and then um, Jet to Walmart. And so I'm now back in that early stage. I know there's a lot packed in there, but that's sort of the quick arc overview of my, my career so far. Yeah, I think we could spend the whole podcast talking about <laughs> your experience, but the point is, I just want to frame it with just the wealth of knowledge you you bring in so many facets of, of branding and marketing, which is, I've, I want to ask about for sure, but okay, so you've been having this uh, career with 
um, like you said, watching all these startups grow and get acquired or, you know, do some really, some really cool things, which isn't always the case when you're working for a startup. So it was probably pretty exciting and something that you were well-versed in, but what made you decide to quit and start your own thing? Yeah, so Costa Rica really came out of pure passion, but basically what you want to look for in an early harvest olive oil is um, a really fresh aroma or smell and a really um, distinct taste, one that has a little bit of a peppery kick at the back of your throat when you swallow. Those are the polyphenols or the antioxidants that have been proven by literally hundreds of studies to, um, to be super healthy in that they reduce the risk of all the chronic diseases. So um, it was really this passion. I wanted to find good olive oil. I wanted to bring it to the U.S. consumer. I felt like they were being duped by what was in the supermarkets, um, both from a taste and health perspective. And when I began to learn about the health aspects, I signed up to become an olive oil sommelier um, and started studying, um, which, is a, which is a real thing, um, and started studying about you know, the health benefits and was really just blown away by these, these facts around the health benefits and, and wanted to sort of tell that story. So I launched Costa Rica truly as a passion project. I was still working at a very large retailer. Um, and I, I think I sent an email to like 200 of my friends in my address book um, when I, after I put up a little Squarespace site and really started it that way, truly as a passion project. Um, and it just began to grow organically from there. And so when I began to see how much people love this product, I think I decided that I was going to leave my full-time role doing something that I loved, by the way, with amazing, amazing people, some of which are on, who are on the Costa Rica team now, you know, decided to leave once I ran our first MPS survey. So I ran an MPS survey and, I, and the MPS literally came back 100. So I was like, oh my goodness, people like really love this product and the loyalty is insane. We had so few customers, but, um, but they were very, very happy with it. I think that was sort of the linchpin in, into me sort of deciding that there might be something there and that I wanted to focus on it full time. Definitely. And that's not something I think many entrepreneurs typically know to do. Um, and I'm guessing comes from your, your background. And I, I didn't realize you were still working full time while you were creating this business and this brand. But what are some other things that you maybe pulled from your hat early on of course there's passion in it. You, you wanted this for yourself because you couldn't find it going to the store. But besides the survey, were there any other things that you remember being like, I know we need to do this, or I need to have a signal about something from a marketing perspective or even a brand building perspective? Yeah, and that was part of it. I think um, some of the other things that I had learned through my experiences at early stage startups was um, what I call the rapid prototyping model, which is just like put something out there and see how the consumer responds. It's not going to be perfect. You don't have the money or the resources in the early days to put something out there. Um, I also felt like I was at an advantage because I wasn't focused on, on building the brand and the product yet full time. So I didn't, there wasn't pressure for it to be like huge right away. Like I could build it up over time. And then if it became something then, you know, it, that warranted my full time attention, then I could sort of make that leap. Um, and I, I did wait for that moment for um, uh, the other piece I hadn't, haven't spoken about is that 
um, Walmart, uh, I'm sorry, Whole Foods actually reached out to us and was interested in the brand. And that was another part of me thinking that, you know, it could be bigger than what I was um, envisioning early on. So that was part of it as well. So rapid prototyping for sure. Um, I think other things that I knew to look for were repeat rate. Um, I wanted to see the customers who were coming, how many were repeating again. Um, our repeat rate is still very high. About half the people who purchase Costarina come back and purchase again. And so that's just very, very strong loyalty that you don't typically see in, in the DTC world and gave me the confidence to make that leap. The kick is like something that I remember when I was traveling in Europe and the first time I had actually tasted fresh olive oil. Like that's something that we just we just don't notice and we um, assume like that the olive oil we have is high quality. When you were initially having your friends or your first customers taste this, was there any pushback or questions on <laughs> what it tasted like? Because maybe as many Americans were used to tasting just really, really plain oil. Yeah, I mean, um, we've definitely been robbed. Like the U.S. consumer has been robbed of this flavor profile um, for the past, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 100 years um, because we've been, you know, really consuming oils that can be rancid, that are not fresh, um, that have been sitting on a supermarket shelf for too long, that are not early harvest. You know, often we hear from our consumers, they say things like, I've just tasted olive oil for the first time. Or, and, you know, they say once they taste it, they really can't go back to the traditional pantry olive oil that they have been consuming before. Um, and so there's a few things to look for. Um, I like to do tastings where I do put like your typical supermarket brand alongside Costarina and another premium oil. Because there, there are many premium oils in the world. Um, there are some from Spain, some from Italy. I particularly love Coronaiki um, and Costarina is truly some of the best olive oil in the world, in my opinion, both from a taste and health perspective. So what's special about the Coronaiki olive is that it lends itself to very high polyphenol content, making it um, you know, super delicious and super healthy. But the, there's, a, there's a point at which when you get too high on the antioxidant content where it becomes too bitter. So you want to make sure you don't harvest too early. So there's definitely a lot of science um, and art involved in getting this product to be extremely healthy and extremely delicious. Um, so yeah, I think those we love getting those reactions from consumers when they tell us that they feel like they've just tasted real olive oil for the first time. Oh yeah, I remember that for myself distinctly. It's super fresh and tastes very, very much like something you would only get on a trip to Europe, so. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, I love hearing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm addicted to good customer feedback. Like I get an email every time someone writes a review on our website and it's literally like the first email I always open. Like I have to read it. <laughs> so I love hearing that. That's great. Do you share them anywhere else or do you just use it as internal motivation? Or? Um, we definitely share them on our internal Slack. And, um, you know, we've, we've used some of our, I think we need to do a better job of using it in some of our ads and making sure people see the reviews, um, see what people are saying. Yesterday, someone wrote a review that said, love this olive oil, it tastes like royalty, <laughs> which, you know, my team and I were like, oh, we should use that in an ad. That sounds, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, yeah. The best way to do some copywriting is if you can get that sort of feedback and little oh, yeah. gems that come of it. Anyway, so yeah. let's talk a little bit about those starting days and you said you sent an email to probably 200 of your friends and contacts but even after that where was the product sold was it mostly online did you get into any smaller local markets 
And then how the heck did Whole Foods find you? <laughs> it was only sold on CoastArena.com. Um, and, you know, I was doing it basically nights and weekends. And it really did start just from my friends. It did grow organically through word of mouth from those first few hundred. I think literally every order that came in those first two years, I, I knew the name. Um, and then I started to see names that I didn't know. And I was like, oh, some, someone must have told someone else about it. Um, so we did have some of that organic growth. And we, Whole Foods actually reached out to me pretty early on. We were definitely not ready for Whole Foods. They found us on Instagram. Um, and we haven't, we haven't even like really invested in building up our Instagram. It's been, you know, I've, I've been doing it um, on my own um, with a little bit of my team support now, but um, really just like organic content, just whatever I wanted to share about Costa Rica and of course, you know, showcasing the product in beautiful places in Greece. And so um, they found us there and I, you know, I went to Texas for the line review with the National Whole Foods buyer and, you know, they give you a template to fill out and the first slide is like, please list everyone from your team who will be, you know, coming for the meeting. And I was like, it's just me, like there's no one else at the company yet. So um, it was, you know, definitely, I think to me, Whole Foods was the ultimate um, place for Costa Rica to be sold because of their rigorous standards and because of the quality of their products and the, their whole portfolio of brands. So um, I didn't want to miss that opportunity, even though we really, you know, at the time weren't ready for it. So after that, they expressed interest in carrying the line. Um, we are in Whole Foods nationally in 300 stores. And so, um, yeah, that was a really, really exciting moment. And, um, you know, it, it was early, so we weren't ready and we're doing, we're learning a ton now as we're um, you know, working to grow the brand there, especially throughout the pandemic. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been an amazing experience and we were happy that they found us. And what year did that happen when you got into Whole Foods? Um, it was the very end of 2019. Okay. So super recent. Mm -hmm. And when? just launched there in August of last year. Okay. Even more recent. Yeah. I do want to talk about expansion during the pandemic and growing a brand, but first, was there anything they shared at the time when they found you that they were specifically looking for types of products or were they like, this is a trend we're seeing? Cause they have tons of knowledge and specific, they were, I think they were looking for more Greek olive oils. And so they were doing an exploration. And so I think we just got lucky sort of right place, right time and that they were, and that that's what they were looking for. So what did that look like in terms of growing your brand now, probably exponentially and especially in the time that we were in, in the pandemic kind of give me a little bit of a story of, yeah. of how that worked. Did you hire more people? Did you look for more producers? What yes. were some of the challenges? Yeah, so um, so we I did hire a team. Um, we are a small but mighty team of some really amazing people who love wellness and food, and um, and so they've been of course a tremendous help because I wouldn't be able to serve Whole Foods on my own. Um, the the big story around Whole Foods was that we had a really robust marketing plan all set up that was centered completely around demos because the feeling was as soon as someone tastes this olive oil, they are going to want to buy it. And I still believe that to be true, but I think the point in time when someone is going to be able to taste a piece of bread with olive oil on it in a Whole Foods store is probably a long time away. And so, of course, we had to shift, you know, our entire, you know, marketing plan away from, uh, from demos and, and open sampling in store. And um, yeah, we've been learning. I mean, I think we've had, we've been really excited about the launch and the reception of the brand. 
to date, we shifted to closed samples. So um, I know people listening can't see this, but um, this is an example of a sample that we hand out in Walmart stores, or I always say Walmart because I was there before in Whole Foods stores. <laughs> uh, and that helps a lot. So just getting people to try the product at home in their own kitchens on their own salads, then sort of leads them to come back and, and buy at Whole Foods. The other thing we've been doing is partnering with other like-minded Whole Foods brands um, on social media and in stores to, um, you know, showcase our products together or come up with recipes that are relevant and make sense, particularly like Mediterranean focused brands. Um, we just had a partnership with Severino Pasta, an incredible handmade pasta brand. Um, as an example, we've also worked with a Greek yogurt brand and um, lots of other sort of like-minded brands that are focused on wellness and better for you ingredients. So that's helped as well. That makes a lot of sense. And the, the sort of closed sample, it almost reminds me of like a salad dressing packet or like when you, I don't know if you've ever gotten a sample of like shampoo, yes, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, was that something that you were just familiar with in terms of packaging? from your background and your career when, when faced with that prop challenge of, well, we can't do demos anymore. And then same thing for the other Whole Foods brands and partnering with them. Is that something that you thought of and you, you kind of out, do outreach and, and manage those partnerships internally? Or did, or did any of those ideas come from Whole Foods themselves? I'm, I am not familiar with kind of the relationship when you go to work with someone like that? Yes. Um, so um, actually the idea on partnering with other Whole Foods brands, although sounds really simple, was definitely not something I thought of on my own. Um, it actually came from a woman named Allison Kane. She, she runs um, Haven's Kitchen and she does a podcast called In the Sauce, um, which is also a food and beverage focused podcast that, um, that you might be interested in. Um, and so Allie was uh, had just launched in Whole Foods during the pandemic as well. So she was sharing some tactics that worked for her during that time. And, um, and then we, we adopted it. And so that, you know, also works for us. In terms of the samples, um, the samples that I was really familiar with from a uh, health, uh, from a beauty perspective are all like those plastic samples. I really, we eliminate the use of plastic throughout our supply chain. Um, and so really didn't want to do plastic packet samples, but um, this is all paper. So I was excited to find, you know, vendors who could do premium samples in paper. And so that's how we landed on these. Definitely. So yes, some of your background and some of your ongoing education and listening to yeah, other people. I'm sure. It's definitely an ongoing education, 100%. What else have you been doing in terms of marketing besides focusing on things that help educate the consumer in the store? Is there anything else you've been trying that worked or maybe things that didn't work? Tons. So, I mean, there's still so much that we have that's very untapped. Um, given our team is so small, we just, we just haven't tried a lot of, you know, even traditional marketing tactics yet. But um, I think some of the things that have work number one is pr um so we actually were really fortunate um in the fall of last year to get an appearance on the today show and that was just a crazy day it was um it was COVID style so usually you know you go in and get interviewed but here it was sort of like a pre-recorded segment with my voice it was two minutes long and it was essentially sharing the costa rena story so it was you know pictures of coroni pictures of my wedding um you know the story about how we started the brand and how we're sort of leading it through the pandemic and um, yeah, like we, it went crazy. We literally sold out of every piece of inventory that we had. There was nothing left on the site. 
um, two hours after the first airing. So it airs four times throughout the US, like on each time zone. And um, after the first 15 minutes, we were like, oh, okay, we definitely did not have enough inventory. <laughs> um, like we did hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales that day. And for us at that time, I feel like it was sort of what put us on the map. We were super excited about it because it just showed that the story really resonated with America and people want, we're looking for and seeking out products like this. And, you know, our, our family story, you know, really resonated. Like our brand is very focused on family health and our Greek heritage. And we really were able to showcase that on this massive platform that um, really helped us drive like a lot of new customer acquisition. So, um, you know, I know you talk to folks a lot about being female led brand and the, the segment that we were on was called She Made It. And so, you know, we probably wouldn't have had that opportunity were we not, you know, woman owned. And so just incredibly, felt incredibly grateful and lucky to have been featured there because it really did help grow the business and allowed us to tell our story. And so definitely see, um, you know, great results from PR when we get the chance to tell the story in that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in terms of other marketing tactics, we're of course, you know, doing the traditional digital advertising on Facebook and Google. Um, we've also done some partnerships. So we did a co-branded bottle with the Colonistas. The Colonistas are a, an in-home chef service. Are you familiar with them? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did um, a custom bottle of olive oil for the Colonistas that they give to um, all their new customers in their welcome kit and they sell on their um, online shop. And um, yeah, just lots more partnership opportunities to come that um, we think could be, you know, really great for um, sharing brand story with folks that are looking for brands like us or with other like-minded audiences. That makes so much sense. And that's something I believe in as well. And always tell people, no matter what size you're at, the smartest and sometimes fastest, it's, it's definitely this mentality of, of work smarter, not harder, but collaborate with people and help each other out and certainly use it as a platform to build your brand. If you admire, um, you know, another person or another entrepreneur or another brand that you think is talking to people that you want to talk to as well. So that can be on any scale. It can be a full on product partnership or it can be something content related. It can be organic and PR. So, and, and so much to, to do in terms of sharing content as well. So we, we definitely focus a lot on content, but it really is, you know, truly authentic and organic. It's content that we want to be reading and um, things that we want to be talking about, recipes that we are actually cooking in our homes. And um, actually a good friend of mine is our executive chef. She is a French Culinary Institute trained chef. Her name is Anna Goss. Um, and she wrote a cookbook recently called Heirloom Kitchen. We sell it on CoastaRina.com. It really is just like one of the most authentic and, and perfect partnership opportunities. She develops all our recipes. Typically it's stuff that, you know, I'm cooking in my house or my mother-in-law or my mom. And she, she's Italian, so she definitely has that Mediterranean background. Um, but she'll, you know, she'll take our recipes and, you know, clarify them and make sure like it's all recipe tested and um and creates all our, our food content we do think of our our audience as um split between people who are focused on health and food so like you know i am truly this person too like the health aspirational and also a foodie and really trying to talk to both of those people and so the other half of our content is really focused around wellness um i'm, I'm very inspired by mind body green and um 
Dr. Hyman and lots of functional medicine experts. And so really try to share the information that I've been learning through them to our audience uh, to connect them with you know, a lot of that positive information. So it's all just been like truly authentic information that we're interested in, that we're sharing with, with our audience to build that community. We've all heard a lot about how good oils are for you. And it's a big part of just understanding wellness and how to cook and feed your body. So aside from those big categories, who is the Costarina audience and where do you communicate with those people? Um, obviously on your, the own content you produce, it's, it's all on your own channels, but is there a difference in how you reach those two audiences? I think, I think there is, and it really is just the split of like the different types of content. Um, so I think that there can definitely be overlap, um, but they're really, you know, we do a weekly newsletter that's all focused on wellness. And so it's, um, I write a blog post. It's really just like things I'm trying or things I'm learning that I'm sharing with our community. Um, we include wellness news from around the web and what we call stuff we're into. So other wellness brands that we're trying, foods, that snacks, um, those types of things. And so that's really targeting sort of what we call the health aspirational um, people who, like me, are on a constant um, mission to live healthier in their life. But, um, you know, I think like me, people still like to have these indulgences. Like, I will never not eat chocolate. Like, I know sugar is bad for me, but I will never not have those indulgences. And I think many people can relate to that. And so we went, at, we set out to, um, you know, I haven't mentioned our product line, but we have olive oils, balsamic vinegars, and we make dark chocolate with extra virgin olive oil as well. And the reason we do that is because actually there are studies when you combine dark chocolate and extra virgin olive oil that show when you consume them at the same time, the antioxidant benefits are actually amplified and you have significant heart health benefits. So upon reading the study, I was like that, I love both of those two things. That's really good news. I wonder what they taste like together. And so um, in coming up with these recipes with our pastry chef, I was like, I think this is the greatest accomplishment of my life. Like this chocolate tastes amazing and it's healthy. Like to have a dessert that actually can add nutritional benefit to your life and to your body um, really is amazing. And so it's, it's my nightly indulgence. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, that combines sort of the foodie and the health aspirational in, a, in the perfect way for me. And so going back to like our target audience, there's, you know, the wellness newsletter is the way that we talk to that person. And then with the recipes, we talk to the foodie. Um, our flavored oils and vinegars are also much more for like the person who's experimenting in the kitchen. We like to call them kitchen hacks because for example, our garlic olive oil, you don't need to chop off garlic. You can literally use that to get the flavors that you want. Um, we have a fig flavored balsamic vinegar, which means you really don't have to mix up your own salad dressing. It really adds like a whole other la layer of flavor to your salad dressing. So um, I think our products talk to each of those you know, demographic audiences or psychographic audiences in an interesting way. And so does our content. That makes so much sense. And the chocolate is really good. Do you just eat it with, by the spoonful or <laughs> what's your nightly routine? Uh, yeah, I'm about, I'm on about half a bar a night. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so I, I always try to do two squares, but I often end up with four squares. Yeah, the almond butter and vanilla, the blue bar is my favorite. I have to say like, you know, they say you can't choose between your children. That one is my favorite child. <laughs> Definitely. So how quickly or early on did you realize you wanted to do product extensions and expansions and 
now you're actually in beauty some more from what I understand. So how did that come about? Yeah, I think um, it really just comes back to olive oil as this core ingredient. So um, I wanted, when I began to think about Costa Rica as a wellness platform that could leverage extra virgin olive oil for its incredible health and beauty benefits, I got began to get really excited. And so olive oil, um, olive trees can live to be, you know, a thousand or two thousand years old. And the reason is because, you know, what, what I like to think about is how longevity is really tied to olive oil and to the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. So I'm very inspired by the blue zones. The blue zones, if you're familiar, um, are places, five places in the world that have higher than average population of centenarians. And a man named Dan Buettner, who discovered them as one of my idols and was part of the inspiration for starting Costa Rica. And so I think a lot about sort of the people who live in the Mediterranean, my family and friends in Greece, they, um, their lifestyle is like staying out late and eating good food and drinking wine. And I compared to, you know, my friends and family here who, where you go out or you go to a family party and people are like, oh, I'm intermittent fasting or I'm on keto and, I'm, and they're just healthier than we are. And they seem to be happier as well in so many ways. And so I just think that there's a lot that we can bring from the Mediterranean lifestyle to, you know, the U.S. And that's really sort of the overall mission of what we're, what we're trying to do. And so if there are categories where olive oil can improve products, I'd like to, um, you know, explore whether Costa Rica can bring that. I read that somewhere that some bottles are mislabeled as extra virgin. So one, I didn't realize that. So I'd love to know about that. And also, is that the reason why you focus on extra virgin olive oil? Talk to me a little bit more about the health mission and how that's a part of your brand. Yeah, I mean, extra virgin is the only olive oil, only olive oil you ever want to have. Um, you never want to buy virgin or what's called pure olive oil. And um, there was a study, it's old now, it's from 2010, that showed that 70% of what was on the supermarket shelf labeled as extra virgin, or it was 69% that was labeled as extra virgin, um, was not actually extra virgin. And so um, an olive oil cannot be extra virgin for many reasons. It could have been um, destroyed in the process of getting it to the supermarket shelf. So there are three enemies to good olive oil, light, heat. Um, so you want to make sure it's in a cool, dry place. You definitely don't want it to be too hot. Um, and then the third enemy is oxygen. So as soon as you open a bottle of olive oil, you should consume it within three months. So um, a lot of the olive oil that they found, at least in that study, was either rancid um, or adultered. So in many cases, um, people can mix different types of olive oils together, or they can actually mix different types of oils together and call it extra virgin. So in terms of what you want to look for, um, I say monovarietal is best. It's a single source uh, batch of olives that come from a single farm um, that haven't mixed two different types of olive oils together. Um, early harvest is always something to look for if you're looking for those added health benefits on the polyphenol content. Um, a clear bottle is always a bad sign because that means the olive oil is probably not premium enough, premium enough for the producer to want to protect it from light. Um, and then harvest date um, is another thing you want to look for. So you'll always want to consume an olive oil within around 18 months of the date of harvest. Uh, that's important. Olive oil is, um, should be thought of as like a juice where it does go rancid and, and it goes bad. So you always want to make sure you're consuming from, from a fresh harvest. Nothing will happen if you consume it past that date. You just begin to lose some of those health benefits. 
Um, and sort of the last thing I think I would look for is price. And so in order to be early harvest, you, um, you basically take the olive off the tree before it's ripe while it's still green. And when you squeeze an unripe olive, not a lot of juice comes out. When you squeeze a ripe olive, there's literally like more juice from the squeeze. And so when a producer sells their olive oil by the pound or by the kilo, um, they, it, they're more incented to wait until it's ripe. And so you get less olive oil when you harvest early, which is why the price is so high. And so price can actually be a pretty good indicator of quality as well. Of course, you'll want to like taste and smell and make sure that the, the product is premium once you have it. Um, but if the bottle is, you know, $8, it's probably not um, a good olive oil. So definitely something to look for there as well. Thank you for all those tips. And yeah. <laughs> I've heard, I've definitely heard that even in Europe, um, families will get their olive oil from the harvest and like use it throughout the year. So it just makes, I haven't heard the three months part, but that makes sense that it's, it's not make, it's, it doesn't mean your olive oil is going bad. It's just um, regressing in terms of those health benefits. Yes, exactly. And, um, and you only, if it's open, you need to consume it within, within three months. If it's closed, you're good for, you know, up to two years. Gotcha. Yeah. And then you sort of asked about like the um, mission of the company and the, you know, the health benefits and how it all fits together. And I think, you know, it really does come back to the blue zone. So if you trace back why these people live so long, it really comes down to their nutrition at its core. And in the two Mediterranean blue zones, it's very tied to extra virgin olive oil, but also to plant forward eating, um, low levels of meat, but high quality meat, low levels of fish, but high quality fish. But the other really key pieces are around community. So they sit down to family dinner every single day. They sit down for long coffees with friends and really is like focused on community building and, and family, whatever, however you define family. Um, and then of course, like low stress environments and good sleep. So really tying sort of all of that together is what makes a good blue zone. And so how can we create mini blue zones in our current environments, even though we're not living on the island of Icaria, Greece? Um, is sort of the overall mission. Of course, yeah, I've, I'm familiar with the book about it. And um, I think something that's become more and more apparent in our culture is how much we need that and need, need more influences of, of that. And um, I think it's wonderful to see new brands and entrepreneurs creating things that promote that lifestyle and that wellness. And it's definitely happening more and more with in the food space. And that's also why I love to have this platform to share those stories and talk about people who are doing just that. So I love the mission awesome. and the blue zones. I agree with you. I, um, if you can have a wonderful life without, you know, intermittent fasting and still be healthy, I'm all for it. And clearly there are people who've been doing it for centuries. So um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say anything bad about intermittent fasting because the funny thing is that in Greek culture, people did intermittent fasting naturally. They just didn't call it that. So um, every Sunday you typically don't eat anything until after church because you receive Holy communion. So naturally once a week, they weren't eating breakfast. They were, you know, going to church first and then coming home to, to eat. And then there are actually some several really natural fasting um, times of year. So 
uh, during Lent, of course, during 40 days, they didn't eat, you know, dairy products, meat products, or fish products. And so it was sort of like almost a break for the digestive system that happened naturally. And then there's two weeks in August before um, one of the large feast days, so it's the feast day of the Virgin Mary on August 15th, where that same sort of fasting period happens again. You do it again at Christmas time. So there's sort of like natural intermittent fasting and periods of fasting that were built in for religious reasons, but really interestingly, probably also had these incredible health benefits that we now know about, mm-hmm. which is super interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, I love learning about that and hearing different cultured stories and how it's expressed in the food and, and now how we can use it and share those stories through branding or through giving something, creating a, a wonderful product. Um, have, are there any other fascinating or surprising health facts that you personally have discovered learning more about olive oil and health benefits or things that it can do that you could think of that come to mind? Um, well, olive oil has been used on skin and hair in the Mediterranean for thousands of years. And so that's sort of a whole nother, you know, I think opportunity as you think about the benefits of, of olive oil. But we recently did a series called Ancient Ingredients, Modern Superpowers, where we looked at all the superfood ingredients of Greece and the Mediterranean um, that included olive oil, of course, balsamic vinegar, you know, coming from grapes, wine coming from grapes, um, feta and Greek yogurt, uh, Greek mountain tea, honey. And it really just like, as I read more and more about these ingredients and, and wrote about them for our community, I was just fascinated at how you know, these ancient civilizations had truly looked to food as medicine, you know, honey was used as an antiseptic. And so I'm just constantly, you know, floored when I learn about um, how these really basic ingredients that we take for granted can have such incredible health benefits and, you know, just how powerful they are underneath the surface when you, when you just dig a little bit. So I was excited to write that series. Cool. I love the content that you're creating and how you're sharing these educational pieces. And I think a lot of brands and companies like to do that because they're so passionate about it, but it's really cool to have this wellness side of it as well. Okay. I have a couple more questions about things that I like to ask everyone. And this probably ties back to your inspiration and maybe some of the blue zone theory, but how did you come up with the branding, the packaging, because it, and it is such a specific product, there's probably things that you have to do, you know, not have a clear bottle, for example, but talk to me a little bit about how you came up with the branding and the inspiration about that. Yeah, so um, the name actually is kind of a funny story. It's, um, my husband's name is Costa, so my name, my full name is Katarina. I go by Katina for short. And so our wedding hashtag was Costarina, you know, that period of time where people were doing like the Brandolina thing. So it's kind of funny. We um, we use that as our wedding hashtag, and then everyone started calling us Costarina collectively. And so when I wanted to name the brand, and the brand was centered around family and Greek heritage, it sort of just felt like a natural name. Plus, I joked like I already own the URL, um, and so that's really how the name came about. There wasn't a whole lot of like science and consumer testing behind it, like the type of work I would have done at the major retailers I was before. Um, again, very just authentic to who we are. Um, in terms of the design, I, I had um, worked with some really talented designers over the course of my time at my first startup and, you know, working in the incubator 
um, and had just some really like really talented designers who I worked with. I, I shared the vision. I wanted the bottle to, of course, protect the olive oil and be opaque, but I also wanted it to look very modern and different from what was currently on the supermarket shelf. Um, and so it was really just through iterations. They knew that I wanted white. I felt like it was the color of Greece. Um, and, you know, we landed on the first iteration of the design and there's been a couple of iterations since then. So that was really the core of it wanting to denote, you know, the, the things that we care, that we stood for, family, health, Greek heritage. That's too funny that it was your wedding URL. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, I already own the website. Um, and, and in building brands in my, you know, past life, we've spent a lot of money on URLs and a lot of like legal research and diligence trying to find a name that wasn't taken. So made it easy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. That's awesome. And I love the white bottle. It's definitely striking and very elegant, um, but has Thank a modern you. look. We want, we want people to leave it out. We, you know, we call it a pantry staple, but we want people to leave it on their, you know, as a kitchen accessory, as a table accessory. Um, so that was ultimately the goal. Mm, that makes so much sense. What advice might you have for other women who are in this phase of sort of that growth of they've got an idea, they've been working on a business and just things that maybe you learned or you told yourself or tell yourself now that could be a piece of advice for growing a brand? Yeah, I mean, I think this advice is probably biased just from my experience, but I would say two things. I would come back to the idea of rapid prototyping. Just get something out there, get some consumer feedback and then iterate on that. And don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Um, and, and really just begin to test and see, does this product resonate with the consumer or the service or you know, this software, whatever it ends up being, does it resonate with the consumer? And then you just learn through that feedback loop, how people are using it and how you should change it and where you should invest. And then the second part of that advice, I think would be don't quit your day job until you know that this could warrant um, your full-time attention because it's just a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, and product development in the early days takes a long time. Um, longer than you think it will. And so if you can sort of get something off the ground while you're still like bringing in your paycheck and potentially like growing your knowledge base and, um, and bettering yourself by acquiring new skills while you do that, uh, I would definitely recommend it. I think it just, it takes the pressure off and it makes it much less stressful, much more enjoyable and much more authentic. Um, and yeah, so again, it probably comes from a place of my most recent experience, but I think that would be my advice. When you look to other brands for inspiration or other people, who are you watching? Who are you following on Instagram? Who are you kind of checking out and liking to watch right now? Yeah, I mean, so many. Uh, there's real uh, brands are doing such an amazing job, especially on social media these days. I admire so much of what you know people in the food and beauty and wellness space are doing. So. Um, I look at a lot of the new beverage brands, like the low alcohol or non-alcoholic beverages like House and Feedlip, um, Gia. I really love the way that they're approaching branding and, you know, approaching building new categories. Um, same with beverage brands like Olipop and Poppy. Um, looking at that, a lot of beauty brands. I follow a ton of beauty brands. Um, I'm a huge JLo fan. I've been following her skincare launch. Um, she touted olive oil as one of her core ingredients. Um, so, uh, you know, that's obviously a whole different scale than, you know, a small DTC brand launching, but definitely super interesting to follow. Um, and then I follow a lot of like wellness 
professionals. So lots of nutritionists, functional medicine doctors um, that really are just putting out content that I'm interested in learning and, and sharing with, with our community. Um, yeah, that's some of them. I'm sure there's a lot more. Very cool. Oh, I love JLo. She just always surprises us. Yeah, I, um, it's really funny. JLo is, I think, my ultimate idol. Like, she is my inspiration. Um, I remember once I was working at, um, at Red Door Spas, and I had to go to Stanford, Connecticut. I had to go, wake up early at, like, 5 a.m. to go, and gonna like call them and tell them I'm sick like I just don't think I can make it and then I had just watched a JLo documentary and I said to myself what would JLo do she would never call in sick to work like and literally I just laugh at myself that like I literally asked myself WWJLD and <laughs> that is what inspired me to go and she really does constantly reinvent herself like her Super Bowl show I think I've my my young girls and I must have watched it 50 times by now so she really does incredible work and works super hard and looks amazing at 50. So hashtag goals. <laughs> oh yes. No kidding. I need to check out her beauty brand. I have not, but you've inspired me to see what she's got going on. Cause if she was involved, you know, something to watch. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was such a lovely conversation. I learned a lot more about olive oil. Um, yes. <laughs> I was already a fan, but I, really have enjoyed tasting your product and learning more about your story. And it's a beautiful brand, but it's a great quality product, I believe now after having it myself. So where can we find you and find Costarina and watch the new content that you're going to be creating? Costarina.com is our website. Um, we're on Instagram at Costarina. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Tina Montanos. Um, those are probably the best places. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for the interview. Really great chatting with you and hearing, um, all the other women that you've been interviewing. I'll definitely be following from here on out. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's fun. Doing if you're listening on iTunes, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes you've listened to on Backlabel Branding, share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers. If there's one person you can think of that would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes, guests you'd love for me to chat with, questions you'd like me to ask, or just questions for me personally about anything branding and marketing, you can always email me at sydney at backlabelbranding.com or you can also find me on social media at backlabelbranding. Feel free to follow me or DM me over there. <laughs>